Hey, my name is Sean Nepstad. By the way, my wife and I pastor this great collection of people called Fellowship Church. We love this church. How many love Sundays? Anybody love Sundays? Man, I can't wait. Sundays just cannot get here soon enough for me. We love it. We love it. We love it. Love everything about it. Love the family. Love hanging out with everybody. And uh, love what God does in our, in our gatherings. So Sundays are special, but small groups are where connection happens. And if you've been around for any length of time, you know that God gave us two words for this church. And if you know them, can you help me say them out loud? Come on, everybody together. Hope and healing. Hope for you tomorrow and healing from your yesterday. It's the best news you've heard all day long. And all that's made possible because of what Jesus has done in our life. So really grateful that you're here. Today we are concluding our series entitled Refresh. Refresh. And as we do that, we're getting ready for Friday night. All the ladies, this place is going to be packed out. Just ladies. It's called Propel. It's a ladies' night out. Ladies, get in for free before 10. <laughs> Actually, it's free the whole night. But you can register on the website listed on the screens, and it's a free ticket. But let us know that you're coming. Bring some girlfriends. It's so amazing. This place is packed out with a lot of estrogen. Sometimes I walk through afterwards, and I'm just crying for no reason. Like, there's a lot <laughs> estrogen in the room. But my wife leads that, and it's a great way to hang out, party, and also give some leadership principles for ladies. Because how many know that there would be no church without ladies? Come on, let's clap our hands for the ladies. So grateful for you. And then our Bible college is going well. We have some incredible students. And if you want to join the Bible college in the fall, you can come to a meeting. We have an interest meeting February the 10th. We want to kind of tell you about this, this, the, the college and tell you about it's fully accredited and you can transfer these credits to any other major college in America. It's, pretty, it's a big deal. And if, you, if you're thinking that you have a call on, on your life for ministry, you want to learn more. And in this environment of a very growing church, it's making a difference. We want to train you in the ways of ministry. So let us know how we can help you and serve you better. All right? All right, everybody grab your notes out. Grab your pens. And we are concluding today part four of our series entitled Refresh. Proverbs chapter 3 is a great life verse for a lot of people. It's a great verse to start off the new year. And it's a great verse to commit to memory. It just says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not a little bit, but all of your heart. And I would ask all of us to evaluate our heart and say, God, is there an area of my heart that I have not given to you? Because I don't want to just trust you with some of it. I want to give it all to you. Then don't lean to your own understanding. Okay, wave at me, everybody, who is a type A personality. Wave at me, wave at me, wave at me. Come on. See, a lot of you have trouble releasing and relinquishing control. You like to hold the steering wheel. You like to drive. You like to navigate. And when it comes to your year, Many of us hold on to the controls of our year, and let's just look back for a second and evaluate how did those years go when you were in control, and how many would need God to take control. So this year, we're not going to lean to our own understanding, but in every area of our life, we will submit to Him. And then here's the promise. Here's the promise, everybody. He says He would make your paths straight. Okay, show of hands and make some noise if you could use some direction in 2018. Well, the, there's a three-step process. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. And then all your ways submit to him. And he says he would make those crooked paths straight. Elbow two people and tell them it's a process. It's a process. 
have a bed up here. Just going to get comfortable for a second. This is great. I just, it just feels right. I think I want to preach from a bed from now on. This is great. I didn't want to get out of bed today, so this is really comfortable. All services just talking about dreams today, talking about dreams. And Have you ever been awakened from a dream that you were having the best dream of your life and you get mad? You look so angry. Everybody on the count of three, make the noise you make when people wake you up. Come on, one, two, three. Yeah, that's all the same. Everybody's like, ugh, you know. And then here's what you do. You try to go back to sleep to continue the dream, but it's too late. Like, it was so good. I was like, why did you wake me up? I was dreaming I was in a hot fudge Sunday river. And you ruined it. So angry. I was flying, and then you messed it up. I've had some crazy dreams. Anybody ever had a crazy dream before? I had this one crazy dream. It's reoccurring. I don't understand it. I don't know if anybody else had this dream before, but I had a dream. I have, I have recurring dreams. I'm spitting my teeth out, and they won't come out. All of them. I can't get them out. It's like my mouth is filled with, a, with rice. It's just... And I just keep spitting my teeth out over and over. It's a horrible dream, horrible feeling. Anybody else have that dream? Get out of here. There's a lot of us. We need a small group. I heard that if you have that dream, there's significance to some dreams, I understand. I don't get it all. But I hear if you have that dream, you have some issues. <laughs> Which I wouldn't doubt because <laughs> I have them. Yeah. Here's a horrible dream I have. I know none of you had this dream before. I'm, I'm sleeping, and then, and then I don't know if it's because I eat too much at nighttime. And then all of a sudden, I dream that I'm vomiting. It's the worst dream in the world. I wake up gagged and just, making noise, and then I race over to the toilet, and I just come over the toilet, and I start dry heaving, until I wake up, and I realize I'm not vomiting. I'm actually okay. I turn around, walk back into bed, and my wife, she looks at me. You should see the look she gives me, because I have awakened her with my dry heaving, and she, she's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I just had a dream. <laughs> Today I want to talk to you about dreams, but I don't want to talk to you about pizza dreams. You say, what's a pizza dream? Pizza dream is when you eat way too much pizza at nighttime. And listen, we just came off a 21-day fast. <laughs> I haven't had cheese in 21 days, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God, I just want to French kiss this pizza. That's amazing. <laughs> pizza dreams are this. You eat something at nighttime, and then your mind's all over the map. And then you dream some stuff, and you think that, like, that's a sign. It's not always a sign. Sometimes it's just a pizza dream. Now, listen to me. I know many of you have come, you're coming off the fast. Come off slowly. I know you want a prime rib sandwich. <laughs> Wentz House has the best prime rib sandwich on a Wednesday. Oh, my goodness. It's the most amazing sandwich in the world. You know where I'm going to be on Wednesday. Be careful how you come off the fast. Here's what you need to make sure. You have some antacids near your bed if you're going to go crazy with some cheese, okay? I'm just taking it from me as you are coming off the fast. But here's my, here's my point. Today we're talking about dreams, but not this type of dream. I believe that God has a God dream for all of you. I'm talking about a dream that's not a selfish dream. 
Many times we have a selfish dream. I'm not talking about selfish dreams. I'm talking about a God dream that makes a difference for eternity, a dream that's reaching out for others, a dream that's, that's giving your life so that others can know who God is. Now, when we take these dreams seriously, God opens up doors for you to walk through these dreams. Now, I'm going to introduce you to three people in the Bible today, three characters. And number one, we have a guy named Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. He has several brothers. And his, his dad favors him over all the brothers. And his brothers hated him. Man, they hated him. So check this out. Genesis chapter 37. Joseph had a what? Dream. A dream. Say it out loud. Dream. He had a dream. And he goes to his brothers. He tells them his dream and they hate him even more. Hey, listen. Just because you get a God dream doesn't mean you should share with everybody. You need to use some wisdom on how, who you share that dream with because not everybody can handle your dream. You, you need to know what it feels like. Jesus was raised. He knew he was God in the flesh and didn't even tell anybody till age 30. Some of you need to know what it feels like to be anointed and be silent. So he didn't have a lot of wisdom. He's 17 years old at this time. He comes to his brothers. He's like, guys, listen to the dream I had. We were all binding sheaves of grain. And then out in the field when suddenly my sheave rose up. And then all of your sheaves of grain bowed down to mine. Like he literally thought they would be happy. Like, guys, check this out. It's amazing. Here's my dream. All of you are bowing down to me. And that, that's great. Up top. And the, the Bible says they hated him even more. And so much so that they actually threw him into a pit and sold him into slavery. <clears throat> Wait a second. Oh, did we read this right? Like he's 17 years old. And they throw him into slavery? Really? That's because they could not stand him. Now, listen, I have an older brother, and his, his name's Chad. He's seven years older than me, and he didn't like me growing up. i got to be honest. We, we love each other now. He didn't like me all the time. And the worst thing he ever did, he never sold me into slavery, thank God, but he did. He would, like, pin my elbows down with his knees and then, like, spit over my face let it drip and then slurp it up and then do it again. He'd let the drip, spit drip and slurp it up. Anybody ever had an older sibling do that to you? Yeah, we, we need some therapy, y'all. There's a young kid here somewhere around. He's an older brother in this mess. I, I know. He's like, man, I never heard of that, but I'm going to try it when I get home. No, don't you do that. Don't you do that. It's messed up. So Joseph, check this out. Joseph, he has a dream, shares it with his brothers. They already hate him. He's sold into slavery. Then he's falsely accused for something he didn't do, goes to prison, he's forgotten. All of this takes place over the course of 13 years. Here's the question, what happened to the dream? Like God gave him a dream, and then he goes into all this hardship? Well, some of you would agree with this statement. Write this in your notes, everybody, that God usually gives a dream, and then it goes straight into buffering. <laughs> God gives you a dream. And then it goes straight into a buffering time. Whenever you have a computer and you try to open up a new page and there's a buffering circle that goes around, it's so frustrating. And some of you can relate to this because God has given you a dream. You get excited about the dream. And then it seems like you go backwards. You're like, come on, God. You showed me the dream. I'm excited about the dream. I would like to see the fulfillment of the dream. How many of you can relate to this where you wake up one morning and you had a great dream and then you realize it's not real and you get sad? Because you have to go back to the mundane life that you have Monday through Friday. It almost feels like Walter Mitty. Come on, somebody. You're there, and you're opening up windows on your computer, 
It's so frustrating when you're trying to open up a new page, trying to open up a new window, and then you expect something new to take place. Look at the screens for just a second, and this is what you get. You get all excited, and then it's this. Frozen. No movement. No new page. No new window. None of us like to wait. We expect the moment we get a dream that we step into the dream tomorrow. And that's never what takes place. As a matter of fact, we look at our scripture, Psalm 105, verse 17. Like, what's up with the buffering? Why are we waiting for the dream to be fulfilled? Psalm 105, the Bible says, God sent a man before them. Who's the man? Joseph. He was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Okay, look at me, everybody. I want you to notice the two words. The word is word. The first word, word, is different than the second word, word. The first word, 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 is the prophetic word of God over his life, the dream. Until the word came to pass, the word, word, God's word, the Bible tested him. Listen, God's given you a dream, but until that dream comes to pass, the word of the Lord is going to test you to get you ready for what you cannot handle right now. That's the buffering season. That's the time when we're waiting. That's the time when we're expecting. Now, Joseph was 17 years old when he got this dream, and then he would go straight into 13 years of buffering. But he stayed faithful to God. He stayed true to God. And when it was time to step into the dream, he would step into the fullness of that dream and become the second most popular and most powerful man in Egypt at that time. God would give him another dream to save all the grain of that time, and Egypt would become the most wealthy nation in the planet that time, and all the other nations would come and buy grain from them. And guess what? 13 plus years later, after he had the dream, he's there and he's selling grain to people, he's working deals, he's making business transactions, and his brothers come and bow down to him, and he has a moment. Because 13 and a half years later, he now sees his brothers bowing down, and it's the fulfillment of the dream. But they don't recognize him. He's got, like, Egyptian clothes on. He's got some Mac eyeliner makeup going on. You know, they don't recognize him, but he recognizes his brothers. And in a moment where he could have taken revenge, he had the power to, he had the authority to, he had motive to, he doesn't. And in Genesis 50, 20, he says to them, you intended to harm me, but let me tell you, God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, and that is the saving of all these thousands of people's lives. And it was in that moment he realized the dream was not just for him. Oh, it's a beautiful day when you begin to realize the dream is not just for you. Listen, was he ready to lead a nation at age 17? No. I mean, how many 17-year-olds do you know ready to lead a nation? Why would God have you step into something that your character could not sustain? It would crush you. And we turn around and we look at God. You need to begin to see him as a good father. He loves you to the depths. 
And just like an earthly father who comes over to his 10-year-old daughter and says, listen, I'm giving you a Mustang convertible. She has the Mustang convertible. It's her car. And yet, she's not ready for it, and she's not allowed to drive it because it could kill her. Why? Because she's not prepared. God is preparing you for something you cannot handle right now. Write this down. For God to give you a dream means he's now taking you into a season of preparation. We think the moment we get the dream, we're walking into fulfillment the same day. Woo, dream, my turn. And God's like, listen, if you get a dream, it's just a sign you're now ready for the next step of preparation. Every great man and woman of God knows what it's like to have a calling and go straight into preparation. We have Noah. Noah, God's like, hey, Noah, I got a dream for you. I'm going to save your family. Awesome. Build a boat. He comes, he comes to Moses and says, I have a promised land for you. Great. Here's a desert. David, you're going to be king. Awesome. Here's a giant. Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Awesome. Nine months of pregnancy, and then you're going to have to leave and flee for your life because there's going to be some people that try to kill your son. Every single person in the Bible who was used by God knows what it's like to have calling and go right into preparation. And the same is true with you. Why? Because God does not want you to crumble under the weight of the dream. He wants you to step right into the fullness of the dream. Hold on in the buffering season. Listen, it's so frustrating when you get on your computer or your phone and you try to open up a new page in life. And then it goes in that buffering circle. Oh, it could be so frustrating. You're so frustrated. You feel stuck. You feel like you just want to give up hope. And many times we close out of the window that we were trying to open. Can I tell you in life, many of you today, you feel frustrated. You feel stuck in life. You feel like you want to give up hope and close out of the dream. But can I suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, do not close out of the dream too soon. It is buffering. God is getting you ready for something you cannot handle right now. So when the window opens, you can handle what's coming. I know it's taking a long time. I know it's frustrating looking at other people and you look at them opening up windows while you're still waiting. Listen to me. God knows where you are and he knows when you're ready. Trust him. Delay does not always mean denial he's preparing you he's getting you ready for something somebody say God is he's stretching me he's stretching me he's stretching me God's stretching me he's preparing you in the buffering season many times when buffering goes on we think nothing's happening but really what's happening is it's trying to connect to the signal again and I would encourage you not to close out of the dream too fast but you actually click refresh And connect to God again because there's nothing wrong with the dream. The connection is the problem. And God wants to refresh your dream. Somebody say good amen. Amen. Listen, Romans chapter 5 gives us a secret. We have a guy named Paul. Everybody say Paul. Paul. He was a Christian hater and then he became a Christian. God said, I'm going to use you. You're going to change the world. He would go on to reach more people in the early church than anybody else. He was the greatest missionary this world's ever known. And then when God called him, he didn't step right into the fulfillment of that dream. Here's what happened to him. He went three years in a cave. That's called cave ministry. He went to cave college. Listen, many times when God calls us, again, we expect to walk straight into our fulfillment of that dream. Many times before God ever gives you a platform, he will train you in the secret place. He will train you when nobody else is looking. 
He's working inside of you so that what Paul said can come to pass in our life. He says this, we glory in sufferings. Mm, no, we don't. I, I actually don't do that. None of us do. Nobody's like, hey, who wants more sufferings? Me. No, I don't want more sufferings. Nobody likes to go through stuff. But Paul said we can, we can glory in sufferings because we know something. Something is being produced. The suffering, if you do that with the right attitude and the right heart and allow God to work inside of you, watch this, because we know that the suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Apparently, we cannot have the hope of our calling fulfilled without, without character. And apparently, we cannot receive character without perseverance, and you're not getting perseverance with until you go through something. You ever had a friend skip a grade? <laughs> Come on, how many get angry with those nerds? Oh, I couldn't stand those guys. You try to bring up a memory like, hey, remember, remember seventh grade? You're like, nah, I skipped seventh grade. Thanks. I liked it so much, I took it twice. Thank God for the nerds. You're going to be working for one one day. Anyway, <laughs> listen, you have an allotted amount of time to complete school. If you pass the tests quicker, you can bypass. Many times the preparation season is a lot of amount of time. And sometimes it's up to you how long you will spend there, depending on how quickly you can learn what God's trying to teach you. I believe this year as we expand that some of you are going to begin to skip some grades because you're so receptive, you're so studious, your heart is so open, and God is giving you suffering, he's giving you perseverance, he's giving you character, and with that hope comes. Somebody say a good amen. I've had some times in my life where my computer was, 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 had that buffering circle, and so what I did is I called technical support. I called technical support. And I said, what do I need to do? They said, first of all, Mr. Nefstad, you need to close out of some other windows. You have too many windows open in your, in your laptop. Maybe it's time that we look at all the windows we have open in our life. Could it be that maybe we should close out of some other things? We've been searching for other things. We have so many windows open, we can't focus on the window that God has for us. Come on. And not only do they say that, they take it a step further and says, now I want you to go into your settings mode, and you need to clear some stuff. You need to clear out of some memory, make some more space, and clear some cookies, because you have too much stuff. In, it's slowing down your system. Could it be, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I, in order to fulfill the dream God has for us, need to clear some space in our past. We need to clear our memory. Come on. We've held on to some stuff for way too long. You've had stuff that you've been hurt 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you got hurt at a church. 20 years ago, that marriage or that relationship, and you have not been able to move past it. Do not give them that much power over your life. We need to make some room for what God wants to do right now. And you need to learn to say, I forgive you without even getting an I'm sorry. I didn't wait for the ram to come to me and say, I need, I need to apologize for taking up too much space in your life. I just went in, cleared some space, and it opened up for what I was trying to open up in the first place. And when I had the problem, it was strange because I had a, this buffering circle on my computer. I called the right people. I didn't call the burger joint down the street and say, hey, I got a computer issue. Can you help me? I didn't call Forever 21. Like, hey, I have a computer issue. And, and on the other end, Forever 21, the fast music is like, 
I called the right people who had the right answers. Listen, everybody. When you have issues going on in your life, you need to be careful who you call on for help. I'm not calling on the wrong people. I'm not calling on a psychic. I'm not calling the horoscope. Why would I talk to people who are trying to get answers from the stars when I could talk to the one who created the stars? God said in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me. I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you didn't even know existed. Come on, call to me. Pray to me. Come on, I wish I had some people that would clap your hands and thank God that he still listens to us when we pray. He's a great God. And he has a great dream for your life. And I know what some of you are thinking, like, wait a second, wait a second, Sean. I used to have a dream, but my dream is dead. I used to believe what you're saying, but I have a dream and it's dead. Allow me to introduce you to our second character in the Bible. John chapter 11, we have a story of a guy and his two sisters, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus gets a message and says Lazarus was sick. And when he heard the message that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That's messed up. <laughs> Lazarus dies. He dies. Jesus knows that. He stays two more days. Now, he loved them, and he went to them. He says, hey, listen, our friend Lazarus, man, he fell asleep. I'm going to go wake him up. And, and, and the disciples are like, no, he, he, he's actually dead. Like, he dead. <laughs> and Jesus said, nah, he never is asleep. I'm going to go wake him up. <laughs> Interesting fact, Jesus waited two more days after he heard the message that Lazarus was dying. It seems insensitive at first glance, but really what he was doing was allowing it to buffer just a little while longer. The next verses say Jesus shows up. Martha's a little upset. She says this to Jesus. If you would have been here, my brother never would have died. So she knew the power of God in Jesus. She knew the power of God that Jesus is God, and she understood, man, you could have saved him. But now I know even, that, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again, and she doesn't get it. She didn't understand it. She's like, I know he'll rise in the last day, the resurrection. I get all that. And Jesus looks at her and says, girl, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me will live even though they die. So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up to heaven and he prayed, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. The only reason I'm praying this is for the benefit of the people standing around me. He says this, that they would believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called with a loud voice and said, Lazarus, Come out. And this boy wrapped in grave clothes came hopping out of the tomb and freaked everybody out. And he said, listen, take off the grave clothes. Let this boy go. And when they did that, everybody around began to believe that Jesus Christ really was who he said he was. Listen, the buffering was taking too long to the point, past the point of Martha's belief. 
But God wanted to accomplish something in Martha. He wanted to accomplish something in Mary and in Lazarus and the other people standing around. And he says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Come on. How many are thankful that Jesus Christ died for sin, paid for sin, so we could be free from sin and live for him? So Jesus is the resurrection and the life when it comes to salvation, and we place our faith and trust in him, and he gives us eternal life. We are living for eternity. Our priority is eternity. But let me ask you something now. Yes, eternity is, is going to be amazing. Yes, he's going to rise, raise up in, in the last days. But what has died in you here? What dream has died right now in your life? Because Mary comes along, Martha comes along, it says, yeah, 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 I know, I know that in the last days there's going to be a resurrection. And Jesus turns around and says, yeah, that's true, but I want you to know I am your right now Savior too. Yeah. Listen, he is the resurrection. He is the life. Here's what that means. God specializes in bringing dead things back to life. Yeah. And what you call dead, he just calls asleep. Oh, Jesus is coming into your life today. He wants to wake up some dreams that you think is dead. He says, no, it's not dead. It's just asleep. Come on, wake up, wake up, wake up. It's time to get up. It's time to renew that dream, trying to restore that dream, trying to rekindle the fire that once used to burn so bright in your life. Let him bring you back to life. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack any good thing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. So many times God is trying to get your attention to lie down. Listen to me, everybody. Have you ever been made to lie down? I, I remember when we started our church, three months in, I'm running like crazy, seven days a week. Every single person that would call the church, I'm in their living room. I'm trying to counsel. I'm trying to work out marriages. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to study for messages, build the church, family, all this stuff's going on. God's like, hey, Sean, I need you to lay down for a second. No, 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 I don't have, really, I don't have a lot of time. I've got, got church over here. i got a meeting over here. No, no, Sean, I really need you to lay down. No, that's okay, God. Hey, listen, talk to me when I'm on the go. Call me on my cell phone. Like, let's just, let's, we'll talk a little bit later. And, and pretty soon what happened is he made me lie down. I was so sick. I had ulcerative colitis. I was in the hospital for three weeks. Nothing to eat. Dropped down to 125 pounds. They're talking about exploratory surgery. Everybody's freaking out. Diana's freaking out. What are you going to do with the church? I don't know. Who's preaching? I have no idea. I'm, I'm, trip, I'm tripping because they give me uppers and downers and just, just drugs for three weeks. And I don't know. I'm going out of my mind, everybody. And God said, you ready to talk now? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, got, I got some time. <laughs> you ever been made to lie down? But God was trying to get your attention the whole time. And finally, he makes you lie down in green pastures. I look back at that three-week period. It was so scary. It was so inconvenient, and yet what God spoke to me, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Why? He's a good shepherd. He knows his sheep. There's some things that you need to know about a shepherd. He loves his sheep. He's not a child abuser. He will take care of you, but whatever you need to know is found in him. 
A shepherd has a staff with a hook on it. Sometimes it's guiding. Sometimes it's grabbing it around your neck and saying, what in the world? Yeah, I'm choking. I'm choking. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I need you to come back on this path. You're getting way over here. Like shepherds back in Bible times, if, if this sheep kept going off course, they would break its leg. He said, that's messed up. No, I would rather have a broken leg than you wandering off a cliff somewhere. I need to keep you close. And with, while you have a broken leg, I will carry you on my shoulders. Listen, you have a good shepherd who loves you. And you may go through some stuff in life, and it's not comfortable. It's not convenient. But he's trying to get you to lie down. Trust him. He's a good shepherd. You don't lack anything. He will make you lie down in green pastures. He will lead you beside still waters. And he refreshes your soul. You know what the word refresh means? It means to give new life to, to breathe new life into your life. What is it in your life that's died? What dream has died? Because God wants to step into you and say, I can bring you back to life. He can resuscitate you from brokenness. He can resuscitate you from emptiness. He can resuscitate you from hopelessness. He can resuscitate your dreams, your desire to make a difference and change the world where Jesus steps in on the porch of your life. And this time doesn't say Lazarus come forth. He says joy come forth. Love come forth. Peace come forth. Restoration come forth. Purpose come forth. Healing come forth. Provision come forth. That book idea, that dream, that song idea, that business idea, that freedom, it has been in the tomb for way too long. But when Jesus steps in, he says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Come on, I wish I had a few people in here that would clap your hands for a God who knows how to resurrect your dreams to believe him again, to trust him again, to love again, to trust again, to step out again, to say, God, refresh my soul. He resuscitates you. My grandma died in a McDonald's. Several years ago, the, the doctor said to my grandpa, look at me. She was dead before she hit the ground. Scared to death on a Sunday morning before going to church. Rewind the tape to Saturday night. There was a kid. We don't even know this family. And a grandma. And the kid was saying, Grandma, I got to go to this McDonald's. It's got to be this one. Because I can only get, play a toy, play a game and get a toy at this particular one. Grandma said, I'm tired. Baby, let's go in the morning. Fast forward. Here's, here's, here's this, my grandma. She dies before she hits the ground. And immediately this woman walks in with her grandson. The grandson tugs at her pant leg and says, Grandma, you can help her. You're a nurse. She comes over and resuscitates my grandma. She lives for another 15 years. Listen, listen. The doctor said there's not one chance, and I, I forget the number. He said there's not one chance and a lot that your grandma would have survived had it not been for this woman resuscitating her. Listen to me, listen. Some of your dreams have died. You think it's over. God's coming into your life today and saying, come on, stay with me. Stay with me. He's, he's, he's beating your heart again. He's waking you up again. And what you call dead, he just calls asleep. Amen. You will live again. Yeah. You will dream, dream again. My family's kind of twisted of humor. You think I'm crazy. <laughs> my grandma wakes up. My cousin John's right by her bed. 
And my cousin John said, Grandma, you were dead. She says, I was? He said, yeah. Did you see a bright light? And she said, no. He said this. He said this. Did you smell any smoke? You know, just twisted. It's messed up. Refresh means to breathe new life into. Here's what I see the Lord doing to your dreams. Clear. You can come alive again in Jesus' name. Come on, clap your hands and thank God. He is the resurrection. He is the life. He's your right now Savior. Let's get real practical, okay? Because you're talking about dreams. Anytime you talk about dreams, you have to think about two words. Two words, today, tomorrow. We live in the tension of both. Now, write this down, that a dream without a plan is just a wish. That's what Chris Hogan told us. A dream is great. You're like, I got a dream. It's awesome. What are you going to do with that? Like, do you have any steps for that? Are you moving towards that? Let's be good stewards because there's a lot of people who are daydreamers. They just dream all day and never do squat. You ever had a friend super filled with potential but didn't do anything with the, with the potential? Like, man, you could have played in the NBA, but you're lazy. <laughs> you you could have written a book. You could have started this business. You could have done this in the church. But we don't step in towards the dream at all. Like, what steps are you practically taking? So I want to get real practical for a minute. And I want you to understand that this is the moment to develop good habits. Why? Why would we develop good habits? Here's why. Because we are what we repeatedly do. Doesn't matter what comes out of our mouth. I got a dream. Great. What are you doing about it? We live in the tension of today and tomorrow. Today and tomorrow. We live here today, but we are planning for tomorrow. But you can't just live in tomorrow because I need you present today. It's kind of like you ever been called on by a teacher in class daydreaming, and then you're embarrassed because you don't know the answer? And you're like, man, I was somewhere else. God needs you present today, planning for tomorrow. So let me give you four steps, okay? Four steps. Number one, this is important. Decide what's really important. Decide today what's really important. Obviously, God, in your marriage, your home, your finances, in your life, what's, re- what's first priority? And then make the list of stuff that you want to keep on the list. Here's what Paul said. Paul said this. He said, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. Why? For the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of just knowing Christ. Like it means so much just to know him, knowing Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider it garbage that I, be, I could just gain Christ. He knows the principle of Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will fall in place. So determine what's really important in your life. Like make a list. What's, what, are the, what are the non-negotiables? This is in your life, period, end of discussion. Number two, number two, give calendar time to those important things. Give calendar time to those things. Because you say, man, this is important. Okay, you can say something's important. Show me your calendar and your bank account. I'll tell you what's important to you. Because whatever you give your time to, your money to, that's important to you no matter what your mouth is saying. In Psalm chapter 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Everybody has a certain amount of days. You get to spend them as you should. Or you can waste them. So your calendar, do not make your calendar like rule over you. Do not be a slave to your calendar. Make your calendar a slave to you. 
don't work for your calendar. Make your calendar work for you. You can control the schedule. You can control your time. Give time for stuff that is important. Number three, we're going to decide what's really important. Give calendar items to those important things. And then eliminate what's not important. Eliminate. Get it off of your calendar. Get it out of your life. The non-essentials. What is it in your life? Because here's one thing you'd agree with, and that is this. That, that the unimportant always try to steal the show. The unimportant always try to steal your focus. The peripheral things always try to steal your attention. Eliminate them. Close the door. The only reason you should be looking at your past is to close the door on some stuff. Some of y'all need to learn how to close the door. That last person you were dating that was crazy. And sometimes you turn around and glorify. No, remember how crazy you felt when you were dating crazy? There's nothing like dating crazy. Don't date crazy. Don't date a project. If you're going to turn around, do not romanticize and glorify your past. If you're going to turn around, the only reason you should turn around is to close the door so you can keep moving. Eliminate what's not important. Here's a verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. You need to learn how to start high-stepping out of the tackle. Eliminate the stuff that's trying to keep you from the will of God. Because everything can't be important. Everything's not equally as important. And, and, and you need to make sure, number four, you constantly evaluate. Constantly evaluate. Why? Because priorities don't stay in place. Just because you put them there one time, they don't stay in place. They wiggle. Priorities wiggle. They're always wiggling out of place. You're like, man, God's first. Awesome. If you don't manage that, it'll wiggle out of place. My marriage is first. Family's first. My calling first. Okay, you got all these things, but if you don't make priority to keep them in place and reevaluate all the time, they will wiggle out of place. Psalm 39 says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me all to, to, that all my days are numbered, how fleeting life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment. At best, it's just a, it's just a breath. So we're going to make everything we can. We're going to do everything we can to decide what really matters, what's important, give calendar time to those things, eliminate what's not important, and then constantly reevaluate. Okay, listen, listen. We're praying to God in this year of expansion. God, help us this year to keep our lives aligned with you. I don't want to wander to one side or the other. I need to stay aligned with you. Now, in your dreams, you say, well, how do I know it's God? How do I know it's not a pizza dream? Okay, number one, not in your notes, this is free. Is it biblical? Is the dream that God's given you, is it biblical? How do you decide if it's pizza or if it's God? And then number two, you need to run this by some people who really know Jesus. Like, some people you respect who can tell you the truth about some stuff and aren't just going to be like, hey, yeah, yeah, sounds great, sounds amazing. They can discern some stuff. Number three, is the dream just about you or is it actually about reaching others with the amazing love of God? Because some people have dreams for themselves and it's super selfish. It's like selfie mode. I just want to get popular. I just want to be famous. Why? Like if you're going to be famous, could you use that to bring people to Jesus? And then number four, Stay connected to the church. I mean, the, the big capital C church. Because the Bible says that God 
chooses to reveal the manifold wisdom of God through his church. The way that God will reach the world is through the church. So stay connected and stay planted. Can I hear a good amen? amen. Give me your heart for just one last second. Let me introduce you to this third family, this third character in the Bible named Abraham. Abraham lived a life, and then God called him and said, I'm going to make you a father of a nation. And he's like, that's cool, but I don't have any kids. I kind of need an heir to do that. Well, he messed up. He lied a little bit on some stuff. He failed to trust God on some stuff. And then in Genesis 5, not in your notes, look at the screens. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, this man will not be your heir. Because he was like, maybe, maybe this servant could be my heir. And God's like, no, it's going to come from your own flesh and blood. will be your heir. Then he took him outside of his tent one day and he says, hey, look at the, look at the stars. Have you ever been camping before? And when you went camping, it seemed to be more stars than there is in the big city. He said, look at the stars. Look at the stars. Count them if, if you can. And then he says this, so shall your descendants be. There are some of you here today, and you feel excluded. You feel like your dream has expired. Maybe it's because of a sin, a past failure something in your life that you've confessed to God, he's forgiven you, and yet you still cannot get past that. You think the dream is over. You think it's not going to happen. Abraham, he was 75 years old when God called him. He said, you're going to have a son. You're going to be the father of a nation. And then 11 years go by. You know how frustrating that must have been? How many times they tried? Never had a son. To the point where age 86, all of a sudden, hey, uh, uh, Sarah comes up and is like, hey, listen, Abraham, um, we're not, this isn't working. The buffering is taking way too long. I got an idea, though. Why don't you sleep with my maidservant, Hagar, and that will be our heir. And the funny thing is, Abraham didn't say no. He was like, all right. So he, so he, he did. And God's like, that's not your heir. I told you it's going to come from the, you. You're, you, you, you're going to have a son with you and your wife. Fast forward 13 more years. So 25 years after he got the initial dream, Abraham is now 99 years old. Sarah is 90, and God steps up and says, hey, listen, guys, remember that dream? It's time for it to be fulfilled. By this time next year, you will have a son. Now listen to me. He's 99. His wife's 90. That's just nasty. 99 years old, getting busy. I don't want that image in my mind. <laughs> and yet God fulfilled the dream. They had a son named Isaac who would have a son named Jacob, and he would be a father to a nation. Listen to me. God has a plan, and he also has a timing. Jack Hayford was here a few years ago at a conference, and he tells a story about he and his wife wanting a dining room set, and so they go to the furniture store with the ad in the paper that says 30% off. When they go there, he shows the paper and the ad to the salesman, and the salesman says, I'm so sorry, sir, but that, that sale, that deal ended yesterday. You're too late. It expired. And he says, that's too bad. This is the dining room set that we really wanted, and, and it's the right price. And the salesman said, well, do you have an account with us? Jack said, yeah, we do. The salesman said, okay, well, let me just take a second. Let me go talk to the manager. He came back after a couple minutes, he said, sir, even though that deal expired yesterday, I'm going to do something for you and tell you the deal is still on. 
That's exactly what God did to Abraham. He said, Abraham, you failed. I know you sinned. I know you blew it. But he he got him outside of the tent, said, look at the stars, Abraham. I'm here to tell you the deal is still on. Some of you here today, you feel like because of sin, past failure, you've confessed it to God. You feel like the deal has expired. The dream is dead. Listen to the word of the Lord over your life as he says to you, the deal is still on. Dream again. Let him resuscitate you. Let him refresh you. Let him bring that dream back to life. In the name of the Lord, I believe that God wants to bring some dreams back to life. Come on, if you believe that, let's clap our hands and say a good amen tonight.